Ustedes saben que no me gusta repetir, entonces voy a enfocar básicamente la primera parte en inglés sobre la última cena y la segunda parte sobre uh, lavando los pies en español, ¿ok? Entonces, si hablan en inglés y español, uh, tienen un premio ¿eh? extra. Si hablan en Spanglish, hay tres cosas, ¿ok? I'm going to basic, I don't like to repeat a lot, so I'm going to speak mostly about the Last Supper in English, say a few words in Spanish, and then for the Spanish part, I'm going to mostly focus on the washing of the feet and say a few words in English. And actually, that's what this whole service is tonight. This is about those two things. And uh, only the washing of the feet took place in the Gospel of John. Um, so I want to propose to you some things tonight. Um, first of all, I think that this is all, it's much more than literal. We used to argue in the church whether you could wash the feet of women because they weren't apostles, and we got through that. But what nonsense that we worried about such things like that because we were trying to be too literal. Jesus washed the feet of 10, 12 men. But when we got past that and, and, and looked at it in a bigger way, said we're all apostles, and washing everyone's feet, besides, Jesus said, what I'm doing you should do for one another. So tonight it's a little bigger than the literal. Now, when we were just about to start, I was outside, and these jets flew over. I've never heard them so close to me. I, I, that's, that, that was so loud, I thought like the world was coming to an end. It was just amazing. And, and I said, what was that? And somebody said, it's opening on at the Dodgers. So for the Dodgers, look at what they pulled out all the stops. And you know why? Because sports is such a guttural thing for people. They, they love sports. And <clears throat> they've had sports way back to the Roman times and the Greeks. And the competition is something amazing. So they pull out all the stops and they have the Jets from the Air Force fly over at such a low place that the whole place just shakes with this noise. That's what we're doing tonight. We're doing something that goes way beyond the literal. We're not just imitating the Last Supper, but the first two readings explain what this supper is about. Now, first of all, um, Jesus, is clearly in the Gospel, sees this as the Last Supper. He sees this as the last thing he's going to do with his apostles before he gets arrested. He says he, he knew the hour had come. He knew he was going back to God, the God that he came from. So Jesus had a clear understanding of what he's doing. He was looking at the Last Supper from this side. This is the Last Supper. They would look at it afterward back to the Last Supper. They weren't understanding it as the Last Supper. They didn't have any clear idea that Jesus was going to be crucified. A lot of surprise was going to come their ways. And it scared the bejeebies out of them, and they all ran, except for John and John's gospel only. But there's some things we have to, to, to deal with here. First of all, the first reading troubles me, as it often does, whenever we put all this stuff on God that he killed people. I, I just can't believe that. I Everybody here is free to believe what you want, but I just cannot believe that my God killed all the firstborn uh, uh, males of, of, of all the, the people and, and their animals, too. Uh, really? That's what God does, go killing people? But if you look at it too literally, 
and have to worry about, did it happen exactly as it says, or if you begin to get into it, into the bigness of these scriptures and what it would mean two and 3,000 years later, because that's what we're doing. This was the Passover night. Whatever happened that got those uh, Israelites out of Egypt, that got them to flee from the Egyptians, and if it happened pretty much like it said, whatever happened, this was a big night. So here, this week, the Jews are celebrating this night also. Not on this night, but this, this Passover night. Because for the Jews, they remember this event. The Israelite people were suffering in slavery to the Egyptians. And they see it this way, God freed us. God freed us. And so they commemorate it with a meal, just like we celebrate uh, the night before Jesus died with this meal. And it was the Passover night that he was celebrating. And so you know the details that, that God said, kill a lamb and take the blood, put it on the doorpost, and, and then at, uh, late at night the angel of death will come over and kill all the firstborn males of, of all the people and of all the animals unless you took the blood from the lamb and put it on the doorpost. Then the angel would see it. This is very literal. The angel would see it. Ah, the blood, then you spare this family, go over this one, kill that family. All right? Wow. This is big. But you, why is this important? Because blood was how covenants were made. We just heard it last week. Whenever a covenant was made, a big covenant, especially between God and his people, there was blood involved, killing animals, taking the blood, sprinkling it around, going between the two animals. And that would form the promise Promises weren't lightly made. When I was a kid, a handshake was a handshake. And if you shook someone's hand and said, okay, I agree to it, everybody said, that's a law. you got to do it. Handshakes don't mean anything now. The only thing firma, you, you sign on the dotted line. You don't have a signature, you can get away with something. But the handshake used to be the signature, and it was everything. For the Jews, it was the blood. The blood of the animal. So it's no surprise this story involves blood and a new covenant being made with Moses and God and, and all of the people. Similarly, though, on the night before Jesus died at the Last Supper, which is what we hear referred to in the second reading, the letter to the Corinthians, looking back to that Last Supper, it is no surprise that Jesus would take a cup of wine and said, this is my blood. They had to have blood for a covenant relationship. And this new covenant that we hear in every single consecration prayer at the Mass, we hear about the blood of the new covenant. And this new covenant was so big and so great and so monumental, it would free people from sin forever. This would give them life even after death. So for us, that's why those sacred words of the, of the Last Supper, the consecration, we say them in every single Mass, those words. It's the only part that never changes. It never changes exactly those words because these are covenantal words that help us understand the power and meaning of this cross. But you know, regarding the Supper, the Jews that will gather for the Passover, they do it in their home, and they have their Seder Supper, and it's very ritualized, just like all of our masses ritualized. Everything that we do, everything is ritual and bowing and all of this stuff. 
For the Jews, the father and mother play a pivotal role with the kids, and the kids ask these questions. And the one that I like the most is when the kids pick up um, some bitter herbs, and I think they usually use horseradish, because horseradish is awful. So they dip the, their, their little um, biscuit in, in um, the bread in, in the horseradish. And when they eat it, this is what they do. They dip it, they eat it, and they go, ooh, ugh, ugh. And then somebody has to fulfill the ritual and say this, why do we eat these bitter herbs, Daddy? And then the father says, <clears throat> we eat those bitter herbs to remind us of the suffering of the slaves in Egypt. And then they dip another piece of the bread in honey, and they eat it, and like every little kid will do, they eat it, and they go, mmm, mmm. Why do we dip this bread in honey, Daddy? And Daddy says, to remind us that God freed the, our, our forefathers and mothers and led them to a land flowing with milk and honey. So in ritual and in actions and in words and activities, they are reliving that past event from 3,000 years ago. And on this Passover night that they celebrate, they say, you know, God has never stopped freeing us from slavery and leading us to freedom. It, what happened three years ago is happening tonight. Now, there is a people that I wonder if they will experience that. They already celebrated their Holy, Holy Thursday over in the Ukraine. If you've seen pictures, I, I've never seen anything in, like this in my whole life. That whole towns are gone. You know, we had those fires up north uh, over the last few years, and one of them was in the town of, get this town, the name of Paradise. Well, whatever Paradise looked like before, it didn't look like Paradise after those fires. I'm going to say, I don't know the exact number, but I'd say 99 out of 100 homes were destroyed. And I mean destroyed flat. There might be a chimney standing, but everything else gone. Cars completely scorched. Everything gone. Could you imagine leaving paradise for the weekend for some reason? Or you went on a little trip to, I don't know, wherever, to be with family or friends. You come back and your whole town, as well as your house, is completely gone. And that is what Ukraine looks like in several cities. Gone, off the map. Not to mention the lives and, and the destruction. Now, you're all Ukrainians with me. We're fellow comrades, Ukrainians. Just how do we deal with our feelings about Russians for the rest of our lives? Could we forgive? Should we forgive? I think we should. How do you do it? And I wonder if they have to come up with their own ritual to help them through this so that they come to a point where they realize, well, look at what Jesus went through. Look at where it took him. But look how he responded. Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. I think we need these big stories to get us through. I think we need these big stories to teach us. I think we need these big stories to get us out of our little selves because we can get stuck in our little selves and, and not grow anymore. We have to move on. We have to. And these stories help us to do it. So on the night of that Last Supper, Jesus said and did a whole bunch of things. And he knew, this is the end for me. 
but I had to provide my disciples with a way to moving on and going forward. I'm just going to say a little bit about the foot washing because only in John's Gospel, which we heard tonight, and only in John's Gospel does he speak about the hour, and he knows very clearly what's happening. He even says it, I'm going back to God, the God from whom I came. But then he does something unique, and this was written around 100, 110, after about 80 years of Christian life, and Christians everywhere weren't exactly living their life like they were taught, and they were falling apart in some places. And so John says a lot of things, puts a lot of things in the mouth of Jesus. And one of these, I don't know that Jesus washed the feet of the disciples at, at the Last Supper, because why would Matthew, Mark, and Luke leave it out? It, it's so odd. But I think John is taking and making a bigger story yet again. He's making a story that has impact. And what does he say? You've got to serve one another. You've got to become a servant. Entonces tenemos en este evangelio una, una verdad tan tremendo en esta historia. No sé es literal posiblemente, pero es mucho más que literal. Porque en realidad, él dice a los otros discípulos, a Pedro, tiene que servir. ¿Qué es la iglesia si no está sirviendo? ¿Qué es? Estamos aquí sol solamente a tener celebraciones como eso, pero yo creo que nuestra fe en bautismo dice, tenemos que seguir Jesús. Y cuando estamos siguiendo Jesús, estamos aquí por una razón, a servir Y es en servicio que podemos encontrar nuestra fe. Es en servicio que podemos empezar a entender qué es el significado de, la, de amar. Es en servicio que podemos encontrar nuestras almas. Entonces, esta noche, en esta última cena, en una forma tan bonita, él va a poner un uh, uh, apron. Martín, ¿qué es apron? Apron. ¿Ah? Huh? Mantel, ¿no? y para lavar los pies. Y Pedro dice, no, no, no puede, no puede lavar mis pies. Y dice, yo voy a, a lavar sus pies. Porque él no estaba literalmente, solamente lavando pies. Él estaba haciendo un punto. Él estaba educándolos. Él estaba formando su fe y su espíritu. Tiene que aprender eso. Está llamado a servir. Y servicio no es por su mismo. No es que otra gente va a decir, oh, mira, mira, cuánto sirven. No, es para encontrar nuestro espíritu, el espíritu de Jesús adentro de nosotros. Porque cuando estamos viviendo ese servicio, todo va a cambiar. Entonces, esta noche vamos a hacerlo otra vez, simbólicamente. Y yo voy a lavar los pies, no lavar, pero un símbolo, poner poco agua. Solo que podemos poner en nuestra mente y en nuestros ojos y nuestros sensibles aquí que estamos celebrando una enseñanza de Jesús que es tan importante. Tenemos que servir, tenemos que servir, porque en servicio vamos a encontrar el significado y realidad de nuestra fe.